Welcome, people. Welcome to the Town Tailgate Podcast. Julio, our first one, the inaugural one, baby. Let's get it. So excited to share this kind of, I guess, passion project Chris and I have been putting together for uh, really the last two weeks. But this is something we've kind of thrown around the bushes for a while. <laughs> we've been talking about it for like a year and a half. And yeah, we just we were just like the last two weeks. We're like, you know what? Fuck it. Now's a better time than any. Let's just do it. The season's oh. about to start. We can get we can get the episodes going like one right before the season. Let's just let's just go all in. And then we me, me, you and my brother, Larry, who is also a producer on this podcast, just <clears throat> just hit hit it hard with, with the design, with the creative, with the writing, everything about it. And all it took was a global pandemic to kind of really push us forward into where we want I to know, be. I know, dude. So yeah, it's oh, going to be God. very exciting stuff. Uh, this is kind of going to be the place to be to listen to some Oakland A's uh, chat from the fan perspective. Uh, obviously, there is a ton of great resources in terms of uh, players within the me- uh, media members of the A's and A's players. Yeah, great, great. Them, There's plenty of great A's podcasts <laughs> out there for sure. But you're not going to find many like us, so... Uh, so Chris, what, what is this? What are we going to do? What are we talking about? I mean, I I think the best way to explain it is like, I mean, me and you have been fans our entire life. It's and like, not only we've been fans, like, you know, there's people out there who, you know, they're, they casually like pay attention to the team. They know the players, um, but they don't quite know the game and, and know the history of our team and know the front office and the, the tendencies they have know the manager, know the style of play the players have, know the prospects in the farm system quite like we do. At, at from the fan perspective, absolutely like not not necessarily I'm not talking about like journalists like Susan Celeser or like, you know, like the Ben Co- Ross or 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 Joey Stiglitz, <laughs> like those guys, those people, sorry. Um they you know, they they work to be reporters for the team. So they spend a lot of time with the team. They go spend a lot of time with the club all of their organization minor leagues and up so they they know it from a different perspective but the difference between our podcasts and theirs is we're allowed to have opinions we're allowed to say the way we we you know the way we see it and the way we think it it, you know it should be and um i'd you know i'd like to say that we have just as much baseball knowledge as them i don't i I don't feel confident in that statement but we're going (laughs) to give a perspective that they're not going to give you Um, yeah and i think that's the best way to put it to be fair, Susan Slusser does keep it real on Twitter with people. I will say that's that's one of the things love I love her most death. about her. Yeah, that's how I love the most. She'll be frank with people. She'll be straight up. And uh, one of the points I want to bring up, we'll talk about later, um, of something she's brought up during one of the games the other night. But I, I think the good like summary of this is the reason why this is called the Town Tailgate is imagine this show every week with Chris and I, or whenever we bring in our occasional guests as a conversation you have while tailgating before the game those like lighthearted banter talks or when you have your uncle that's probably had a few too many beers and tries telling you why like jose canseco is the greatest day ever or something like but he cheated in the middle of a cornhole game just standing right next to you just chatting your ear off you're like okay all right yeah you (laughs) yeah you're like cousin's weird friend who's just like breath's kind of smells and getting too close to you like all right dude relax like except we're doing this over the audio version, so you don't have to deal with those uncomfortableness. You'll just have to deal with us. Uh, but it's still same, deba- same debauchery, same just ridiculousness that's going to be coming out of our mouth, and in in a fun, like lighthearted way. This is this is going to be not so business. It's going to be a lot more, um, a lot more um, 
just lay back. Um, until can until I just say we one sell thing out that, for a few hundred thousand to whichever sports it's, and start journals. and start getting ads in here and stuff. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, of course. Exactly. I mean, but that's different. We're still gonna have fun and, and be loose and hang out. But yeah. you know, we'll be getting paid instead of doing it for free. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, can I just bring up one thing after you know we kind of said brought up Susan Celester? Because um, someone I forgot who it was I think it was like Jessica Kleinschmidt brought this up on Twitter the other day. Um, it's pretty fucking cool to see like eighty percent of the A's beat writers are women. Yeah, um, that's pretty badass. Um, I think Ben Ross is the only one who's like officially on the beat for that's not a woman. Um, um, so that's pretty cool. Um, Susan Slusser, shout Jan out to Lee. all them. Alex Coffey, Alex Coffey, um, Melissa Lockhart. Melissa Lockhart's not a beat writer, but she covers the A's. Jessica Kleinschmidt, she's not a beat writer, but she covers the A's. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic to see that going on with the organization that they're willing and susan slusser has been there for oh man so i think at least the late 90s so she's kind of like almost the, the OG. as long as i've known like a's like beat writing it's only been her like you know like i don't i yeah. don't have any memory past her yeah no seriously um, yeah seriously that's i think when we really are really sort of cognitively started following the a's that's when we've like re, that's all we think about is her when it comes to that yeah, yeah, like those Giambi teams and shit. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, all right, so let's. Uh, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves a little bit and get to know, so that the audience can get to know us and stuff. Um, all right, Julio, you can go first. How how did you become an A's fan? Would you say if you had to, if you had to label it? Uh, when I think about my A's fandom and how it kind of all started, well, for one, um, my whole my whole family's from Oakland. I'm. Unfortunately, it's funny. My, my mom's from Oakland. My dad was born in Mexico, um, but pretty much his adult years and growing adult years, whether it's like his late teens to his uh, early 30s, were in Oakland. And then all three of my older brothers are born in Oakland. And then guess what? I was born in Antioch. So, um, <laughs> but no love for you, bro. Exactly, exactly. But um, if you look at like pictures as, as, as me as a newborn, I actually have like an Oakland ace fit going on. So it's kind of going back since there. Uh, my dad has told yeah. me memories for like one of the first dates him and my mom went on was actually the world series parade back in 74. I want to say so, that's pretty badass. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my dad tells me the stories about that. Um, but yeah, I've, I've honestly life literally uh, as soon as I was born as a, lifelong A's fan, I guess. I was three months old when the A's won the 89 World Series, so I can say that I experienced the World Series, I guess. Um, some of my earliest memories consist of, I actually was lucky enough to go to the Kingdome back in 96, and uh, I saw Mark McGuire hit a home run. And I just rem- and at that point, I didn't really understand baseball too fluidly. I just knew I liked the A's. But I was so upset when he hit that home run because I was such a big believer of take me out to the ball game and that you always had to root for the home team. So when he hit the home run, <laughs> I was upset as a kid. I'm like, no, we're supposed to root for the home team. Um, yeah, that's kind of like my fandom. 96? Oh, God, yeah. You're like seven yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah, so I got to go to the Kingdom, so I marked that off my bucklist. list. Um, but really, I think what... what super compelled me to become like a huge ace fan so just those money ball teams um barry zito is like still is if not my favorite oakland a ever i just love the grassroots of the whole team um 
how encompassing the team has been with the city of not only just the city of Oakland, but the East Bay as a whole. Um, we both grew up in Antioch, and I think that's something that we're proud of. Is not that Antioch was like a rough place or anything, but compared to the San Francisco teams, and no offense there because I lived in San Francisco, they're always very um, the golden child of the Bay Area, whereas the East Bay, they were kind of like the redheaded stepchild. And for the A's, kind of like that blue collar or green collar way of playing is something that I've really made me love the team every, every even more. They've always been the underdogs, and it's something that's really attached me to the team for for all these years. Um, and then when I moved down to Southern California back in 2013, I felt like I, I even became like a bigger Ace fan before I was, even though I was going to 10-plus games every year, I was going to playoff games and all that. I became a bigger fan, so I started going to games against the Angels. Um, there was one year where I went to – Every A's road game in Southern California, where I saw them at the Padres, Dodgers, and Angels, um, I got I went to go watch them in Japan. It was like prettiest stop. And like you would amazing. you would do your uh, you would do your I believe in Stephen Vote chant at the yeah. visitor stadiums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite was one time I did it in, in San Diego, and Stephen Vote hit a grand slam. Um, but like <laughs> I would say, probably my favorite memories of like in person events. Um, I was at the Cespedes throw game at Angel Stadium where he fumbled the ball. And I was in the left field bleachers, too. So he was like 20 feet away from me. Where were you he, the first game or were you the next game? Because he did it two days in a row, remember? Uh, whatever was the first, I think it was the first game. Where like the, the throw that everybody knows. The corner where, of left field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he fumbles yeah. it and guns out Howie Kendrick at home. I was at that yeah, game. Yeah, that's the that, first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I lost my mind. But um, probably... This will go in as my favorite game, as well as probably my favorite moment as an Oakland A's fan has been, excuse me, the 2006 ALDS game three. Um, I was my senior prom was that night or homecoming. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I had a choice. And, you know, Deer Valley's homecoming isn't really anything special. The homecoming dance wasn't anything special, but the homecoming football game was a huge deal. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say everybody went to the football game. I don't remember anybody who went to the dance. Like I remember Mason was on our our buddy Mason Livingston, who's also an Ace fan. He was yeah. on the homecoming court and he had to go, but we were all just like, "Sorry, yeah. bro, we're not going." No, with you. for some <laughs> reason, yeah, it's kind of weird compared to other high schools. Nobody really cared about the homecoming dance. But anyways, had a choice. I could either go to the homecoming uh, game and maybe dance, or ditch school. <laughs> And go to game three of the LTS. So there it was. Once you did school, all right. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I'll I'll remember this for the rest of my life because up until that point, uh, the A's had never advanced the ALCS since 90 or 91. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was bases loaded, Marco Scooter up, and I think the A's had like maybe a one or two run lead, hits a bases clearing double. I've never – and hundreds of games of going to the Coliseum. I have never heard that place like that before. Mm-hmm. And he, and like my ears were pierced, like how loud yeah. it was. And like my voice was gone. Scooter pulls up in second, just, ah, just screams. Mm-hmm. And, and they won that. And they won the series. They swept the twins when the A's were huge underdogs. And that's something that like, I will never forget that moment for sure. That's been like a highlight until, we won the World Series in 2020. 
Yeah, so and that's no a little bit of my fandom. Uh, been all over the world to watch this team. I hate it. <laughs> I hate because how much we get invested with this team and how much they've heartbroken us, broken us over all of our years, but wouldn't have it either of the way. So, Chris, nice. I know. Um, so, uh, actually, a quick background before, if you want to know, like, Chris and I's relationship. Um, I've known Chris since – so, Chris and – Chris's brother and I, Larry – we were in kindergarten together and I've known Chris since he was pretty a, much my entire life, my entire yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, their dad, Mr. Magical, David Magical was our principal, uh, at John Merrill elementary in Antioch. So I grew up with, with Chris and Larry, my whole lives. And I know he's got a pretty similar background in terms of like how you became an ACE fan. Right. Yeah. I mean like, so, I mean, my, my dad was a Yankee fan growing up because he, when he's, I mean, he's old as shit. He's like, he's seven years old. Um, so he like, he, there was no team when he was a kid on the West coast, except for the Dodgers. Um, actually not even the Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers. Um, so he didn't really, he just, he would watch the Yankees on TV cause that was who they showed. Um, and he didn't go to his first baseball game in person until his, like, late 20s or something like that. And the only reason why he went is because he was working for the city of Antioch as a special ed teacher. And the principal of the school that he was a special ed teacher for, who kind of became his mentor when he, like, started getting his, like, principal credential and eventually became a elementary school principal. Um, but his, like, mentor, like, he he was like talking to him in the teacher's lounge one day and said like yeah I've never been to a baseball game and he's like what you've never been can't believe it and he was a big A's fan so he decided to take my dad to an A's game and he just had an absolute blast he loved it um and a couple of years later he died he passed away uh, my dad's mentor so he kind of like on top of it being the first place he ever watched a baseball game um he kind of does it in like memory of his like mentor and his friend so and then that was before I was born so I was born into that from that side and then with my mom she was a tomboy growing up she loved watching sports she loves baseball she grew up in Los Angeles so she would watch the Dodgers and go to Dodger games um but when you know she got older she got a teaching job up here in Northern California because she went to Chico State and my grandparents decided to move from Los Angeles to Northern California to be close to their daughters because my aunt also lived up here in Northern California and was a teacher. So what do retired people do in their spare time? They pick up hobbies. What's one hobby that my grandparents decided to pick up? Decided to just become season ticket holders for the A's and started going to games and, and so being wait, like... T- uh, sorry to interrupt. What year is this at this time? This was like so. Th- that's the best thing about it. This is like the eighties, like the the mid eighties, like right when the team ah. is becoming one of the greatest teams of that generation. Uh, yeah, just that, as they're you know, building with Canseco and McGuire coming up. Yeah, exactly. So like they hopped on that because they're like, oh, this team is so good and so much fun to watch. Like we should we should become season ticket holders. So they were season ticket holders from then until um, a couple years before they passed away. Um, so they would give us tickets and stuff like that all the time, uh, as kids and take us to games growing up. So the third and yeah, just going to games, having season tickets, it kind of like reignited my, my mom's fandom a little bit. And then when she met my dad, it was like a big common, like, um, thing they had in common that really like kind of was a core, um, 
stepping stone to like you know their marriage and their relationship so um i yeah it's three generations of ace fans i'm i'm coming from my That's grandparents awesome. and then my parents and then and then now me um so i i i think this is you know i put this question on our outline as like a thing that we should explain why we like the team so much i can't explain it man i just can't like i can't explain why I'm so emotionally invested in this baseball team. I think it's just because some of my fondest childhood memories are in that stadium and watching that team. Even though, like you kind of said earlier, they break my heart so often, and I'm a very just emotional person in general, so it, it feels like it's a little bit more to me than than uh, when other teams lose for other fans. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just such fond memories with my family and my childhood and and just being, you know, just loving the game of baseball growing up. Um, and you I played. Would say, you played all through high school too, so that, I think that's a bit yeah. bigger appreciation. I played as I mean, I played as long as my you know talent made me capable of. You know, <laughs> I I would have played longer if it, it meant I could have. I you know I just yeah I love baseball. Um, so my favorite moment I would say is definitely the streak. Like it's just like when it happened in our lifetime too. You know, I'm 11 years old. We, me and my family went to game 18 where Tejada hits the walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. Um, easily. Easily my favorite. Damn. Uh, the streak in general, my favorite moment. Um, and then, like, the greatest game I've seen in person, the Stephen Vogt walk-off single uh, oh. in the 2013 American League Division Series where Sonny Gray went toe-to-toe with Justin Verlander. I think it was a 1-1 game. And yep. they both pitched like eight innings, had like nine plus strikeouts, and this was Sonny Gray's rookie season. He wasn't even supposed to start that game. The only reason why he started was because I think it was Bartolo Colon got hurt a week before the postseason or something like that. Something uh, this like, was game. Yeah. This was game three. I think just like the where the way the rotation kind of came around was Colon was supposed to start that game, and because he was hurt, Sonny Gray just kind of like slid in there, and he just fucking. It was just to see him. Just to, if you're a fan of baseball, watching a pitcher's duel is like the best thing. So to see him go toe to toe with at that time was the best pitcher in all of baseball was pretty was pretty exciting to watch. And then just a nice light little blooper line drive right over the shortstop's head. Um, yeah, dude, it was it was amazing. I went there with a huge group of people. Uh, Mason was there. Chris Martinez, my brother and sister, my parents were there. Uh, God, so many people. I have a I have a great picture of like all of us too. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story. I I just thought of something too. Um, I know we we talked the other night of like, <laughs> excuse me, a pe- list of people we'd want to have on the show eventually. We should eventually do a dad's episode. I think that'd be really cool. And that would be great. Have kind of yeah. hear their stories because my dad. One of my favorite stories my dad stole me because. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to take away for a second. Um, so my dad was a roofer in Oakland, um, and he retired mm-hmm. uh, late two thousands or so. Um, but his boss was a season ticket holder, and he'd give them tickets, or if their job for the day fell through, they would just play hooky and go to the game. And they went to a Yankees A's game back in the eighties, and my one of my uncles, it was my dad and my uncles, their coworkers, and there were heckling who I don't know who the Yankees bullpen pitcher was at the time but they kept heckling him heckling and heckling kept calling him pepperoni pizza like in a really (laughs) obnoxious new york accent to the point where the guy was like started like 
charging after my uncle. <laughs> then, oh like, my they, god, dude! You know, the ace bullpen or the Yankees bullpen guys like grabbed him, and my uncle's like, "Come on, <laughs> let's go, let's do it." It's crazy how like back then, just like like uh, that would actually get to players. Like 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 that would actually like bother them. Like little things like that. You've you've seen so many basketball games in the '80s where it's highlights of like like hecklers just like really just get really piss off players and stuff like that yeah no i think a dad episode would be cool i think i'd like to hear it'd be fun to hear them share like their stories and stuff like that i don't know if they um, figure out how to use um QuickTime audio but that'll well, well the technology that di- like difficulty will be there for sure okay we didn't need to put that in the podcast but good, good talk <laughs> all right so uh, every boomers. podcast all right yeah 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 uh every podcast we uh we're gonna have a little outline um so uh we'll kind of start with uh news around the league and then we'll kind of start with uh modern day a's news and then we'll jump into um a segment which will change every single week um and then we'll do some kind of like player of the week or um this week's gonna be a little bit different we'll explain it later and then uh we'll talk about the upcoming week and uh, what we can expect um just so that everybody Kind of knows what they're getting into every week. So um, let's start with news around the league, like we're like we normally should. Um, Julio. Um, so I think the biggest story of today, especially, is Mookie Betts just signed a 12-year extension with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is Mookie fucking insane. Um, you can take it from here. I have to look up. Yeah. His so how 12 years, uh, 365 million dollars. Yeah, to right. more or less be the he's going to be the face of the franchise of the Dodgers. Um, Cody Bellinger's deal is going to still be there, uh, or he's still. I was going to say, do you do you think he takes over the face over over Cody? Ooh, excuse me, Cody Bellinger. I was going to ask you that. Um, no, but I, I was actually talking to one of my one of my good friends, Tim Wiseman. Shout out to him. Uh, it's big time Dodger fan, and we were talking about how impactful it is to have one somebody who's. Mookie's a generational talent, excellent outfielder. He's already been MVP, World Series champion. Um, mm-hmm. So he's one of already a bunch of accolades, and he's only 27. So it's fantastic you got him locked down for that. But I think it's an even bigger impact that you have a person of color is going to be your franchise baseball player in Los Angeles. Where yeah, that is he brought cool. up the point. If you, if you look back at the history of the Dodgers history and you look at Fernando Venezuela and Hideo Nomo, yeah. um, Yasiel Puig, uh, Manny Ramirez when he first came here, the it this is going to be not just a huge thing for the Dodgers um, in terms of like they're going to be – the Dodgers are going to be a, a f- powerhouse for the next five to ten years because their farm system just even hasn't even been depleted with – even with trading the assets they did to yeah, get Yeah, it's still just fucking stacked, dude. Their farm yeah. it's insane. But because of how huge the LA market is, you're going to see an uptick of um, more people of color playing baseball, thing, more kids of color. When they see somebody like Mookie Betts out there playing center field every day for the Dodgers, like that's going to be a huge impact on the future of baseball. Yeah, here's the thing, man. You, I mean, you'd hope so, and you'd like to think that, but the real issue is it's not – that here's the problem, and you look at the numbers. I've, I've, I've. Baseball Barbecue did a, had a guest who talked about um, a former black player who like is really working towards like building the popularity of baseball in inner cities. The biggest issue is not it's not trying to get young kids to watch baseball because one of the in America one of the first sports they play is baseball. Yeah, um, 
it's it's that there's not a, an infrastructure in the inner cities to keep kids playing baseball. There's not like a little league. Um, uh, there's not a little league, or there's not a Babe Ruth, and it's like, or, or there is a little league, but there's not like a Babe Ruth. There's no travel teams um, that are willing to like recruit these guys and pay for them to like, you know, be a part of the team, paid fees, and travel around the the country ba- with the team and stuff an like that. It's sport. just like it's a super yeah, expensive it, sport to it's play. It's like lacrosse. Like it's it's just it's tough for them to do. And and if you really want to be competitive and be a good ball player, you 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 have to play at that competitive level and, and they don't even get a chance after little league. There's just no way for them to play it. Or they, if they do, they have to travel like 45 minutes to do it. And parents in the inner city can't afford to take them to practice like that every day. Yeah. And like, that's the real issue. And that's the thing that baseball, I don't want to like, you know, really go too deep into this because again, this is an A's podcast, but uh, yeah, like that's the real issue with, with major league baseball. They don't do anything to help the popularity at a young age for, for, the inner city they just don't and it's sad um and that's why most of baseball is white because it's only in really suburbs and that's the biggest difference over the last say 25 years in baseball mm-hmm. is just it's not promoted as well um but uh, yeah but to kind of go back to more for the baseball talk of the mookie deal um it's this is the first time because if you think about it they traded for manny machado go to the world series doesn't work out they traded for you yeah. darvish goes world series doesn't work out so this is the first mm-hmm. time where they've traded for this big asset and they locked them down um That's I, good point I, yeah and i think a lot of us all every baseball fan i don't think anybody expected him to sign a deal right now and there were even some i, I think i Dave don't Roberts, know man i i i i wasn't surprised when I got when I heard the news today, but even I, Dave I Roberts had, had said that um, they've honestly been working on this since spring training, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's pretty wild that somebody who hasn't played a single game yet, um, obviously he's he's seen the success of the franchise, and he's seen like kind of what management and upper management has done to kind of prove that he wants to stay here, but it's pretty interesting now and. Uh, you could see a point where whenever LeBron retires, like Mookie's going to be the star of LA. Yeah. He's going to be huge in LA. He's going to be a huge star. Um, Oh yeah. I, I, I definitely think that Bellinger right now is the face of the Dodgers. That's only because he's been there for a while, but Mookie is the best player and he will take over that team. He, he's, he's, he's top three player in, in, in the game itself. So like, yeah, he's just, it, that's, I mean, I don't. I, I don't hate the Dodgers. I, I I actually enjoy watching them play. So I'm 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 happy for them. That's great. It's, I mean, uh, the Gen X. And I'm happy A's for Mookie because I love Mookie. Yeah. Mookie's so fucking cool. Um, the Gen X Ace fans are the ones who hate the Dodgers because of '88. Because of uh, Kurt if, Gibson if ask, and, and they stole uh, they stole the '88 series. Yeah. If you ask my uh, my oldest brother Elias, every if I bring up the Dodgers, he's like, "Fuck the Dodgers!" I'm like, "Are you serious, dude? <laughs> what? Come on!" Uh, real quick before we jump to the next subject. Uh, since we both are more or less, we are Angelinos. Um, what what do you think is going to be his go to bowling alley in L.A.? Are you thinking he's going to be more hipster? Go to Highland Park I think, Bowl? Is no, he going to be more I think, up, obscene and go to Lucky Strikes? <laughs> no way. There's going to be he won't go to Lucky Strike, especially not in Hollywood. There's like he'll get mobbed by paparazzi. No, Lucky Strike uh, at the downtown, downtown L.A. by Staples Center. That would be even worse. No, definitely not. You're talking about in the in the uh, in the uh, the what's that? LA called? Live. Nokia. Nokia. Oh, LA Live. Yeah, LA yeah. Live. Yeah. Um, 
I think he, I, I kind of see him as more of like a West Sider, like a Bolero kind of guy, like a Bolero uh, 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 Marina Del Rey. I don't know, man. I, I don't see him. I, I feel like do any. I don't know if uh, we'd have to bring a Dodger fan on here, um, but I feel like no Dodgers live on the West Side. I feel like if you're gonna live, <laughs> if you're gonna live old- in Los Angeles, you'd want to live by the beach, though. But um. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, if I'm him, I would go to Highland Park because no one's going to notice him in Highland Park. <laughs> it's just a bunch of hipsters that live there. They don't care. I'm going to say my low key one is Pickwick Bowling, right around the corner. Oh, you know where Pickwick's at? Around the corner from Griffith Park. Um, I don't. I've never been there. It's across the way. <laughs> it's total LA talk. Welcome to LA talk with Chris. Nguyen. I know, dude. Uh, it's by the Equestrian Center. It's right on Riverside Drive, like right by Disney. For the for the listeners, we both live currently live in Los Angeles, so we just know yeah. too much about it. All right, let's Even move though, on. Okay, all right, let's move on. Uh, another big piece of news. Um, this came out yesterday. Mike Trout tweeted that he is in. Um, he is full in for the season. There was a lot of question marks around him because his wife is pregnant, so he did not want to um, put her and the baby at risk. But he is fully committed to the season so far. Um, so that's good news for the Angels. Um, They'll get to test out their dynamic duo that they spent a lot of money on this offseason. Um, does this make you a little bit more fearful of the Angels and the A's in, um, division now, or how do you feel? Um, uh, I feel personally yeah, uh, about the same. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's about the same. I think the biggest problem with the Angels still – well, Anthony Rendon, uh, it sounds like he's going to be out on Friday. He had a, yeah. I forgot what injury he had, but he's going to be out. Um, but they're – the lineup is great. I still think the lineup is one of the better in the American League from top to bottom, especially yeah. I think somebody who's super underrated is Tommy LaStella over at second. Um, but the rotation's still very yep. iffy. Um, yeah, I think that's Otani, always, and that's always yeah. been their issue. Their, their issue has always been pitching, and that's what people don't get about the Angels. And all, they always, people always rank them so high because of the talent that they have on the field. But, dude, I hate to break it to you. Pitching is a big part of baseball. <laughs> yeah, especially in, um, if you're going to be playing the NL West teams only this year, where you're going to be playing in places like Petco and AT&T and Dodger – or, sorry, Oracle Park, uh, and you're going to be playing <laughs> at Dodger Stadium, those are all in Oakland. Those are all in Seattle, are very pitcher-friendly parks. So yeah, you need your guys to kind of go out there. Um, yeah, I still think they're – I could still see them get a wild card spot. Um, everything's got to hit right, though. They're Otani's got to become the ace that they paid him to be. Um, you got to see guys like Griffin Canning and Andrew Heaney actually step up and kind of be the prospects they were. If Julio Tehran can be average or a little above average, that's great. And then you need your bullpen to kind of really step up. You need guys like Hansel Robles and uh, Camber Trojan to really do their jobs with the angels bullpen there. It could be possible. Um, now that being said, if he didn't play this season, yeah, 1000% they're out. There's no way they were going to be a team. Could not agree more. No. Yeah, exactly. If you lose the best player in baseball, like that's a pretty big blow, even though baseball is a, a, a such a, such a team sport, like still it's the best player. Um, I, you, you're a little, you're a lot more optimistic about their rotation than I am. Um, Otani's coming off of Tommy John surgery. I'm sure he'll be pretty good, but you never know. It's going to be tough to, 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 it's going to be an interesting learning curve, but everybody else, I mean, there, I don't see any other talent. It's just like, it's, it's just, it literally, I don't, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Well, a fan. the thing is, Otani every time he's pitched against the A's, he's killed us. His very first game, he went that's, like seven that's, innings. Of tr- that's struck fine. That that's fine. And then he got Tommy John surgery, so we'll see how he feels with a new elbow. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like I can't. There's nothing guaranteed with him, and I wouldn't feel too confident if I was an Angels fan personally. The- Speaking of playoffs, which you said earlier. Um, them potentially making the playoffs. Another big uh, news story, but it's still just a rumor. The playoffs could potentially be um, expanded from 10 teams to 16 teams. Um, more than half the league. Um, your thoughts, Julio? That's a lot of teams. <laughs> so what, you'd have eight. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of what it would look like in front of me. Just kind of see, well, obviously, like the three division winners, I, I'm guessing, would get it by. And yeah, then, I don't I don't know. I don't. And then you'd have like a one seed wild card. And then you'd have four wild cardish teams. And then that'd be their own playoff seeding. And whoever plays that would play the wild card. And then the winner. Th- yeah, it's complicated. Um, I think it would be, I think it's a good thing to have for this year. For yeah. sure. Because there's going to be a good chance where we're going to see a team last year who was in easily in the playoffs and there could be a chance just because if things don't fall right for a week for them, they're out. Mm-hmm. And I think having something like this, it does create a better opportunity. If you think about where the sport will be by the time it is October or beginning of October, uh, football's kind of up in the air. We don't know what they're saying. They're going to be doing everyday testing, but until we start seeing, um, training camp stuff that we don't know. Uh, basketball by that time would actually be in their finals or in the deep in the playoffs. Around um, early October is when they would be in the finals. Early October, yes. late September. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see what's going to be. I'm assuming you're probably in the same boat. Like, I don't mind it. I think it's a good idea because this is such an odd season. Um, but until we can kind of get a better idea, we can't really speak too much on it. I think 16 is too much. Like it, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I know, and a lot of listeners on my personal podcast, shout out, uh, go subscribe and listen to the magic hour podcast hosted by me. Um, um, on my podcast, a lot of my listeners have heard me say how much I want to expand the MLB playoffs, which I do. Um, because I just love watching competitive baseball games, games where they actually matter, where they're intense, um, cause it feels like in the dog days of summer and middle of July, they're just so boring and just kind of like going through the motions and you don't really have much invested in them. Like MLB playoff time is like my favorite time of year. I just love oh, yeah. like hanging it's out and watching rules. like four games every night. Yeah. Um, I think 12 or 14 is like the number. Cause then it's like an exclusive club in some way, shape or form. It's not more than half the league. It's like a smaller percentage around like 40%. Um, and you could do that easily. I mean, six teams per each uh league you could do you know the three division winners and then the top two teams in each league get up by the first round and then you make you make or you or you turn it into just two two divisions per per league instead of three divisions and then the winner of of the two divisions in each league they get a by the first round and then the four wild cards have to play each other i don't know i mean it's just there's definitely more you could you could do there um i i just think 16 is too much and I think what makes it a little more interesting too um, is baseball more than any other sport 
is any given day. We've seen multiple exactly. wildcard teams go on to the World Series and win a World Series. We've seen teams who've National made it year. into the, we've seen teams made it into the playoffs the last day of the regular season and going to win the World Series. So, uh, yeah. So all I'm saying is, yeah, get ready for your World Series champion Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking um, of the Blue Jays. Speaking last of the Blue Jays, news, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so uh, the the Canadian government has actually uh, disallowed the Toronto Blue Jays from playing their season in Toronto this year. Uh, so because of that, Toronto Blue Jays need a home for the season. The pits and one of the options was going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates Stadium, PNC Park. The Pirates had agreed that they will be allowed to play use PNC as their home stadium, but the uh, Pennsylvania government has actually shot it down and they've declined it. So right now, uh, did they say why? Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be something along the lines of safety protocol. Um, mm-hmm. But right now the Pittsburgh or the Toronto Blue Jays are a free agent team. So um, I know Florida is trying to welcome them in, but they're like, bro, no, <laughs> like, no you guys no, are the worst. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard um, some potential. One of my buddies, uh, Rich Slatter, shout out to Rich. Uh, he's, he lives on the East Coast, from the East Coast, Connecticut, all that. Uh, he said one of the options that he heard was um, Connecticut and Hartford. But it's like oh. – one Because uh, uh, one of the things that brought up was Buffalo because their minor league team is in Buffalo. Yeah, I um, think that would make sense. But the biggest issue is like a minor league – unfortunately, a minor league stadium does not offer – the same uh, capacity in terms of like training and bringing in media and bringing amenities. In visiting t- amenities that a major league stadium would. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of issues. I think it'd be pretty cool if, if they convert a, a foot, maybe like a football field somewhere is converted into a, a baseball field. The thing is like the, they have to keep it up on that. Like, part of the hemisphere of the for lack of a better word of the earth because like if they went down to to florida and the, you know they're used to like the the toronto you know weather um and and like in just everything about it that like you know the altitude the humidity and stuff like that and then you go to florida like i wouldn't be surprised if they had a shit ton of injuries this year because that, that that's just a lot of like that's a dramatic shock to your body's system you know like mm-hmm. I just think that would not be the smart idea at all. Um, look, during the season, how many, like, what amenities are they talking about, though? They're talking about, like, whirlpools and, like, a cage oh, like I, that? I, I like, would, I'm assuming whatever your typical clubhouse amenities are going to be. One, having the space to fit a full 30 men roster plus, or 30 men to start the season, plus your coaching staff, plus your traveling yeah. team, plus everything yeah. that comes with a team visiting you in your specific city. Um, that'll be, yeah, that's going to be interesting. If I had to kind of make like a bold prediction on where they'd end up playing, um, I could find some school that's going to be in the Northeast. That's not going to be playing a season where if they have the capacity for them to use their baseball field, uh, I, I think honestly, the Ivy league is not going to be playing this year. Uh, that could be an option if they want to use like Harvard's baseball yeah. field or something like that. Um, 
or if we find, or if like some football teams are not going to be playing the season, convert their field extra revenue for the schools. I think that'd be a decent idea. What about you? I mean, I I don't I just don't know the New York, um, New England area well enough to give a adequate like answer to that. You know, like I have no just, idea just, what just any of those. Town. Use oh, Cooperstown. Cooperstown, sure. There you go. Oh, <laughs> no, there literally, you go. like idea, I, I just, I, I just don't know, and I, and I, I could not begin to, to try and, and guess that. Um, I feel like I would be doing our listeners a disservice by trying. Um, but like, there's people in the front office that are getting paid a lot more money than I am at my normal job to do that stuff, and they need to like. Just, I mean, like, they need to figure it out. And 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 and, and I, I'm sure there's plenty of places they could go. I'm sure like any college facility would would suffice because I've been to like University of Kentucky for a, a documentary shoot. Their like athletic facility, their gym, their weight room is top of the line. Who gives a shit where you're playing physical baseball on a field? It can be a college stadium. Like, who cares? But, like, the facilities that you need, like, there's colleges all over the country that have this stuff because boosters pay for it. And it's, like, Olympic-style facilities. So, like, yeah, they'll make it work. I I don't think Florida's the move. But, like, yeah, like, I don't know. UConn is a good good option. Like, Ooh, that'd actually be a great – yeah, that'd be a great idea, UConn. Uh, Um. Fuck! What else is up there? I mean, just name off random schools on the East Coast. Syracuse. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Look at that, Chris. Yeah. you're doing a great job. Um. Okay, so let's move on to the A's news then. Um. Yeah. So, so tune in next week to find out who's the winner of the Toronto Blue Jays. Of the Toronto Blue Jays, yeah. <laughs> who's Who's the home city that has to deal with that fucking mess? All right. Um. And will they be staying there permanently? <laughs> will Canada want them back? Um, Tune in next week on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, Face talk. Okay, so finally, let's the, get to the good stuff. The biggest thing in the news is that AJ Puck was has been put on the D, disabled, sorry, injured list um, with a right shoulder injury. Um, they, I believe, had an MRI and there was no structural damage. Um, it's just kind of a lingering injury from spring training. He's expected to sit out till at least. August 17th, so he's going to miss about two weeks. Nothing too crazy. Um, it's not like another Tommy John or something like that. Um, it seems pretty minor, just some soreness. Um, we expected some injuries like this to happen um, this year with, you know, the kind of fast restart. So um, that's good. Uh, they uh, Bob Melvin's named Daniel Megden, correct, as the um, – Yes, Magden's going to be the replacement starter. Starter in, in his place. Uh, yes, sorry. Yeah, I had to think about it for a second. Um, so, I mean, one thing that we have is is starting pitching depth in this organization. So, Megden, I'm sure, can deal out a couple of um, a couple of quality starts. Um, I'm not too concerned about it, but uh, I have a take on Megden that I want to say later in the podcast, so I'm not going to say too much on it right now. But um, AJ Puck, huge, crucial member of the future of our team, so it's important that we get yeah. him out there this season. And, uh, uh, I think yeah. we both had a huge sigh of relief that it was really just kind of 
he's only going to need a quarter zone shot and rest more or less. Yeah. We were kind of because of his injury history with the Tommy John and with the shoulder injury at the, in the spring. Um, yeah, it was a little concerning that this was going to be a little more than what it actually was. But you brought up the point that we do have the benefit of depth. Yes, Daniel Megden is not at the talent that AJ Puck is, but thankfully he's he's a serviceable player. He's somebody who's got a big league experience. He's been in the A's rotation on and off for the last three years. We know what he can do. And he's do. had some really good stints. Like he's had some really bad ones, but he's had some really good ones. Yeah. Like he's I think that he's had stints like a couple of years ago. He won like five games in a row and he looked really good and um and I think this is also yeah. going to be a good time for them to kind of figure out what they really want to do with this bullpen. We know at this point that exactly. um, that we know at this point that Jesus Lazardo is going to be starting in the bullpen as he's getting more into baseball shape after mm-hmm. recovering from COVID. And at one point, I could see them going like four innings of Bengton, and then Lazardo takes it all the way to the ninth, or we'll bring in Hendricks or Petit in the eighth, ninth. So yeah. It's not like Magden's going to be the only option. I know you're kind of a big Paul Blackburn fan. Shout out to Heritage High School and Brentwood. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that I'm a big Paul Blackburn fan, but I I he's proven himself to handle and be consistent in the major leagues at the starting position. Um, he's not so up and down like some of these well, other guys, but but the, the the thing he's just consistently like average, and yeah, he's a safer bet. Whereas like Megden, like you could get like a fucking killer start out of him, or you just get a hold, uh, just a, a shit bag. Um, and for I, lack I of didn't get a word. chance. So that's to what, check. that's what I'm worried about. Uh, something I'll, I'm going to bring this up right now. It also kind of depends on the schedule. If we have kind of a schedule where the A's do benefit from having to like miss a little bit of extra time, so okay, I got to put it now. So we got. Uh, Angels, Rockies, Seattle, Texas, Houston, uh, Angels again, and then he'd be coming back against the series against the Giants. And okay. from that point, the A's would have – oh, jeez. The A's would be playing 17 days in a row. So he'd be coming back would in be, perfect timing. That would be a good start for him too because the Giants suck, so that would be like a good way to kind of like, like get your feet wet, you know? Yeah, uh, I think that'd be some a really great start for him. Just to, if he can get in a pitch that weekend, and yeah. kind of come in and bring that relief that the team needs when you're playing that many days in a row. And uh, I know people, I, uh, A's fans listening, probably their first thought is like, why wouldn't Chris Bassett get that starting spot? Well, Chris Bassett's already in the rotation because Jesus Lazardo has COVID nineteen, so Chris Bassett has taken that spot in the rotation, so he will yeah. be there for at least. Um, the near future, um, I could. Uh, we've talked about this a lot this off season that we think he'll probably make his way to the bullpen as like the go-to like long reliever. But um, we'll see. I don't. Th- um, yeah, I don't think. Uh, sorry, before we move to the next thing, I I wouldn't think Bassett or I honestly I don't think Mendon's going to be in the rotation for too long because I think once Mel- no. Bob Melvin's okay to kind of like take off the leash on Lazardo and just throw him right into the rotation again. I could see yeah. Mangdon going right back to the bullpen and then just have uh, Bassett or yeah, Bassett be the number five. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying when puck comes back too, though, so then yeah. Lazardo and puck, those spots are gone. I, I really like, um, uh, 
not you know I'll say it now. Actually, it's not as related to something I'm talking about later. I really like Megden, the idea of Megden in the bullpen. I think he'd be a really solid middle reliever, like right before the setup man, like the setup to the setup man, I guess you'd call him, which is what we uh, kind of like the Ryan Cook role um, from 2012, 2013 uh, team. Go. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when when those three would come in and be Cook, Doolittle, then Balfour, that was just such a killer way to end a game like ah, there's a there, like teams there's a would term. look teams would look at that and be like if they're down by two there's like oh fuck we gotta go against the three these three guys now so i feel like there's a term a, a megden petite think of it oh is there really yeah okay. uh, I'll, anyways, a, a megden petite um uh hendrix end of the bullpen seems fucking nice and then Bassett as like the long guy, whereas like you know, let's say Mike Fires, for example, gets in some trouble in the first couple of innings. Because every game matters this season. There's 60 games, so it's like you cannot afford to leave your starter and hope that things are going to turn around. Like if you're down by three runs in the first two innings, like you got to pull him. So you need like that go-to, like used to be a starter, long reliever guy who can get eat up like four innings for you. Um, I think that that's going to be crucial. Okay. So the second piece of A's news, something that this is more of an observation that we've noticed. Um, Tony Kemp getting a lot of the um, starts and reps at second base. So I think they're going with the safe route this season instead of uh, trying to test out Bassett and seeing what he could do. I think they kind of realize that they can't afford to. They need to put the the for sure guy they know they're getting out of at second base and going with Tony Kemp. Did you meet oh, Bassett? You met um, or sorry Mateo? Bassett uh, or uh, Barreto. I'm sorry, Barreto. Franklin Barreto. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that I think that's what they're going for. I think they're going for. Um, I mean, you know, what you get out of Tony Kemp two around two forty, um, maybe ten ten home runs a season during a normal season. Be able to steal some bases, above average defender. I I you know I I don't hate the move. I I, I kind of like it. I I think I like it better than the options that we have. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's nice. You, when all SFLs go veteran kind of thing, especially, I, I think that's kind of the surplus that the A's lineup has this season, where if your only real problem is like who we're going to start at second, to be honest, that's a ton of teams in baseball, a lot of teams in baseball, unless yeah. you have like one of those premier guys at second or have been into that issue. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'd be totally okay with it for it to start the season. I was reading about, Chad Pinder and that Pinder was getting a lot of reps at second. I know mm-hmm. Bo Mill kind of likes to use him as like a plug in and play. Um, and that he actually, despite we'll probably talk about it later in the show, the falter of A's offense during the exhibition games, he was actually one of the highlights. He was in the wall pretty well, even throughout summer camp. Bo Mill was saying that he was probably one of the better offensive players. It, that's the one thing I'm a little surprised that I thought he would have, um, gone that rep in there but who knows maybe that's going to be like his ace in the sleeve and if if camp can't keep up with the work of being in that infield and i I don't really see them relying so much on their bat because of how really powerful that a's offense is they don't need him to hit 15 20 home runs just dude get on base play some defense yeah, um, that's an interesting segue because the next piece of news is, again, another observation. The A's offense not playing so well in these exhibition preseason games, so yeah. that's also something to be worried about. Um, 
They scored two runs yesterday um, on a walk and then a double by Pinder. <laughs> the day before that, they which, scored no triple, which should have been a home run. Triple, and I got, sorry. Okay. And then the day before that, they scored. Uh, shit, I don't have it in front of me. Um, they scored two runs. Or sorry, no, that's two wrong. runs. They scored four runs total. Yeah. Over the yeah, they two scored days. two runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this was to the Giants, so a little concerning. Um, definitely gonna have to shake off the dust to begin the season. But again, it's only sixty games. Yeah. Um, playing with fire on that one. Playing with fires. <laughs> yeah. Who? Um, you, I know you, you were kind of... those puns. Yeah. Uh, former John Cruz, Skipper, what I do. Um, I know you were kind of mentioning that uh, the starting rotation... The starters got lit up a little bit, but Fires actually had a pretty decent game. He just gave us the two solo home runs. Um, yeah. Sean Manaya, I, I, I'm not really too worried about the offense because, one... I think they're too talented offensively. We've seen what they've been able to do over the last few years to really fall flat like that again. Um, yeah. I think the one thing, uh, biggest encouragement, that thing that I saw was that Steven Piscotti actually looked pretty good in those couple of games, um, especially yeah. after like how frustrating last year was with him where his first that year. nagging injury he had all year. Yeah. Yeah. And then his first year in 2018, he had, about 24 home runs. He had 25 um, so and hit like 260. Like he, he killed it that year. Yeah. So it's great to see. Hopefully that gets back. Um, yeah. The, the two things and one, the giants, Gabe Kapler, who's, I think Gabe Kapler is going to be like actually a really great fit for his managing style with the giants. Um, a lot of giants fans I know aren't crazy about him. So it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. Um, These are giants fans. You know, they yeah, don't know. Exactly. Shit. Exactly. He's, he's a little <laughs> unconventional. Case in point, he threw out a different pitcher every inning. And that yeah, probably yeah. is a big – and I, I don't know if that was his de- decision or if that was like Bowmel being like, yeah, let's do this. I want my guys to see as many different pitchers as we can. Um, like them like negotiating tell, it like the, before, at the beginning of the game, like, hey, we want to like get like a lot of practice in, so bring in every pitcher yeah, you can or something. Yeah, like because there was like – if you watch like the summer camp games, there is teams who are like, Oh, let's get this guy. It was third out, but let's get him another at bat or, Oh, let's play an extra innings just to test out the scenarios. Um, but yeah, that, I think that was a big part of it was just like, we're seeing different guys every single time. Um, the one thing I was a little nervous about, uh, was Sean Manaya. He pitched a decent game. Um, but his velocity was pretty down. He didn't hit but 90 his, the whole night. But Monday. his velocity, but that that was when he came back from his injury last year. That's that was a thing. Like he couldn't he couldn't hit really 90 that much anymore. Um, he his velocity has has kind of been down. But remember, he had a really good run at the end of the season last year. It's because he has gotten really good at mixing up his pitches, and he's very accurate. Hits his spots, but it, it's mainly just he's gotten really good at mixing up his pitches, and he's always been really good at that. That's always kind of been his strength. He's never been like a fucking blow by you guy i think he threw like 93 no. 94 before so it, it is a, a, a little bit of a difference but it, it's it's kind of the mental game that he brings to the mound that, that, that made him successful i wouldn't be too worried about it julio i mean it's just it, yeah. it's it's part it's part of that injury you know and his wasn't uh, tommy john it was like a shoulder thing and yeah so 
quick, another quick shout out. I was texting with my uncle Javi. Shout out Javi. Um, his concern was Chris Davis still. He's like, he still like, I know we've, we've seen multiple articles in the athletic and we've seen guys around uh, Bowmel and the rest of the, the team has been like, yeah, Kemp or Chris Davis looks like he's back to hitting again. But like he was, his is like he still doesn't look right. There still looks like there's something wrong with them. Obviously, I, only, I was trying it's to. It's only shoot been it two down, exhibition like, games, dude. Exactly, it's only been two exhibition games. Uncle Javi, just <laughs> slow it down, bro. Let's just let's wait exactly. about three weeks and then we'll we'll make our decision. Um. Yeah, I think the one thing we text about before we jump onto the next thing was uh, about a week or two ago when, or about two weeks ago when summer camp was really going into full speed, uh, Matt Chapman brought up a point about the competitive advantage, disadvantage that the A's have had because the A's didn't, or the A's pitchers didn't actually get into uh, Oakland and start pitching at the Coliseum again until July 4th. And then yeah. the hitters didn't actually get in until about July 6th or 7th while mm-hmm. most of baseball was already there. And now, we're seeing they's got an exhibition game where you know, we played two games against the Giants and looked like shit. Uh, again, two games. But it seems like the Angels have had multiple games against the Padres, have multiple games against the Dodgers. You've seen the Yankees have had games against the Mets, had games against the Phillies. And he, he kind of has a point. It could yeah. be. And it's it, definitely it, showing in these two games. And it could be more of just a regional thing where if you are the Angels or if you are the Dodgers, of course you're going to play those games against the rival that's only an hour and two hours away from you. And same thing with the Yankees. Yeah, it it is a bit of a disadvantage, but... um... And and yeah, I, th- I think it's shown in the first in those two games. But I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. It's just kind of the circumstances that we're in. So like, yeah, it, it it's no one's fault. I don't think it doesn't. I mean, I it doesn't sound like it didn't sound like when I saw that Matt Chapman was blaming anybody. But like, if you if he was, it's like who who are you blaming? Because it's literally no one's fault. Like you know, this is just kind of the situation that we're in this year, and you got to make do with what you got. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, and um, we will jump into uh, our segment and then um, our final two, or our final three segments of uh, the episode. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, Ace fans, welcome back. Welcome back to the tailgate. A um, couple beers deep in, Julio. So I think it's a good time to bring on. This will be our first segment of the um, our first. Um, I don't know what what what, sh- what do we call it? the creative segment? I think that's a good way to put it, our, right? Our it's going to be creative. This is be our first uh, open aired segment. I don't know, but it's more. more yeah. This is more of our fun shoot the shit segment. Really, no holds barred. In exactly. the in the cage, steel cage, hell in the cell, the steel cage. Um, so this segment is, um, going to be called, I've had a few beers, but dot, dot, dot. And the reason why we're calling it that is it's going to be kind of our hot take segment. You know, that guy who, let's say you show up to a one, one o'clock A's game. You start the tailgate when the, when the Coliseum gates open nine o'clock, 
Everybody knows that. Um, you know, you set up the grill, but you're not quite grilling burgers yet. You're kind of waiting for people to show up. It's like four of you hanging out, playing some beer pong, maybe some four banger, shotgunning beers because you guys are really excited and you want to get going. Friends start showing up. More and more friends start showing up. And this is that guy who starts taking shots every time a friend shows up. Takes a shotgun every time a friend shows up. And about two hours before the game, he's pretty fucked up. You could tell it's a 50-50 chance he even makes it inside the Coliseum. You're playing cornhole, and he looks over to you, and he goes, You know what, man? I've had a few beers, but insert random hot take that is either super rational, and you're like, eh, you know, you're kind of making some sense, or you're kind of like, what the fuck did you just say? One of those things. So that's what this is going to be. This is dedicated, um, right, Julio. This is dedicated to the people who at a 7.05 game time don't go into the stadium until 7.45. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this this segment is pretty much based off of my entire adult life. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy who, who goes hard at the start of the tailgate and is just ready to just – and every time someone new comes in, I'm just pounding a beer with them. And I've got a, I've got a lot of hot takes. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, I've been I've been excited to hear this. Okay. As you're sipping a nice right. Coors Light. All right, Julio. I've had a few beers, but I am a firm, passionate believer that the winner of this World Series this season is a real World Series winner. And here's why. I am tired of hearing sports talk radio, ESPN talking heads talking about, are we really going to respect the winner of this championship? Whether it's NBA, NHL, MLB, whatever it is. I just feel like that's so insensitive to, and so disrespectful to these athletes who are risking their health, their well-being, the health of their families and their lives in order to entertain us because we miss sports. And in order to, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this and be like, they're getting paid, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, they're getting paid. But if you were to go to your job, if you if you at your job and, and you, you um, your boss, your employer, your company didn't take the proper precautions to keep you safe while still trying to employ you, like you would be kind of upset, right? You're not just going to be like, all right, I quit. I'm going to go like work for some other company. You're, you're going you're gonna to have like, you're you're going to have a confrontation with them and try and get them to do this. So these guys are there this is coming out terribly. These guys are are employees of Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball is more or less handling this pretty poorly. Um this is a big risk for everybody. So I think out of respect towards these guys and what they're doing and how and them even just giving it a chance, we should respect whoever the champion is this year. Unless it's the Houston Astros because they owe us one, so we'll just take that one right back. <laughs> that's that's my take. Um, I feel like I agree. I agree with you in the sense of baseball, because baseball was the only sport to not start. Uh, was wasn't able to start because of COVID. Um. Um, I, look, I've talked about this with you and our good friend Manny Rand. Shout out, Manny. Um, 
I'm a hater. At the end of the day, I'm going to be a hater. And I've said multiple times, I would rather not have base basketball return than to have LeBron win a title as a Laker. And I and look, I feel the same way, but I I mostly said it as a out of, out of parody. I didn't actually mean it. No, yeah, but you actually you actually mean I it. I looked. No, I would rather not have basketball come back than the possibility of LeBron championship. I'll straight up, I'll say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, I I would be faster to discredit this NBA championship faster than MLB because I think a big part of the ML just MLBs is. You're still traveling. You still have to deal with jumping on a right after a game. You're gonna to have to jump on a plane and fly to Houston, and then from Houston you gotta to go to Arlington, and from Arlington you gotta to go to Arizona. I mean, you still gotta go all, all over the place. Um, and I'll agree with you with baseball. Yeah, I think this this should be a World Series title no matter what. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I agree with you on that. Your beer got to me. I did. I don't know, man. I just think it's, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I I thought along hard about it, and yeah, I mean, I remember on my podcast talking about that with Manny, and I've had I had that take too, but I thought long and hard of it about it, and I watched a lot of television. I just think it's very insensitive and very like fucked up to think of these guys and what they're doing in order to entertain us, and and to treat it that way with so much disrespect because. Um, I don't know if a lot of us would would have the balls to do it. Yeah, um, it's true. You're not. You're, it's very true. Especially guys like Sean Sean Doolittle, his his wife has um, a disease that is very you know risky for people with coronavirus, and um, he's sacrificing that every day by going to these games and potentially infecting his wife and. Not, I guess they're figuring out a way where they're not going to be living together during the season, so he's going to be apart from her, and like that's a big sacrifice. And I just, I'm just, I'm not willing to, um, to to ride to die on the hill that Stu Gatz is dying on right now and going hardcore, and he's not respecting the champion of any of the leagues this yeah, season, it, season because he doesn't think they're real seasons. Mike Trout's wife is about to go into labor. Uh, Buster Posey opted out because his Buster Posey opted out because his family is adopting twins who were born prematurely. Like, dude, come like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. These, this should be, even in the NBA, I will, I won't be happy if it is the Lakers, but yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, all right. You're up. All right. Let me take a, uh, Long swip of your little sippy, uh, sip of your torpedo of my Sierra Nevada torpedo. Shout out Chica, um, IPA. But Chris had a few beers. Julio, so I'm gonna keep this yeah. in Oakland. I think Frankie Montas is going to be your Cy Young winner in 2020. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. I uh, I kind of. I kind of agree. I think. Yeah. So, I kind of, I'm I'm with you on this one. So he yeah, had a this great is great spring training is, before the shutdown. He had so last season. Obviously, he was phenomenal. He's a top five. Hold on, pitcher hold on, hold on. Let me explain that part. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. This was ahead, my, this was my part of my argument. Yes. I know. I just got excited. Yeah, I know. I know because yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> the, the the beer talk. Um, but yeah, bef- before his PED suspension. Uh, Frankie Montas was arguably the best pitcher in the American League. Um, he 
his ERA was going up there. He was thrown in the high 90s, and he looked like he was going to be potentially on his way to starting the American League All-Star game. Uh, his PED suspension comes back. He still stayed in shape, and he started the last two games or last few games of the 2019 season, and he looked mm-hmm. great. He was still pitching pretty well. Um, and then, you know, going to the playoffs, he wasn't able to pitch. Now, it's interesting because he kind of gets lost in the tracks because we're running off the, in terms of our rotation, we're running off the high of the, the potential of Puck and Lazardo in the future. We're running off the high of how well Sean Manaya did in that last month in the, of September and when he came up. Uh, and Mike Fires, who uh, during at one point in the season, not only was he the ace of the rotation, he was one of the best pitchers in the American League. He looked great. But we forgot about Montas. And it was one of the guys mm-hmm. we kept forgetting about. During, and uh, something we really got to credit him on was during the, the COVID crisis, well, we're still in the COVID crisis, but uh, when the baseball shutdown was happening, he still stayed in shape. He stayed back in Arizona. He met, he got a personal trainer out there who initially allowed him to use a wall just for him to throw against so he can kind of work on some stuff. But he also worked with him to just get in better shape. He Yeah, apparently he got pretty jacked. Yeah. Not jacked, but like, like well, jacked, but also like cut. He got lean. When I, when I say lean. jacked, I feel like people are, yeah, and he's just fucking yoked now yeah he lost about i want to say, i think it was like three i don't have the number in front of me he lost about three percent body fat and he was he was always like a pretty high fastball pitcher but now he's hitting triple digits just from getting yeah. in that shape and losing that and that's fucking crazy yeah i i remember reading that that he's hitting triple it's like what the fuck yeah and uh he's was pit he wasn't just pitching against some random high school kids out in gilbert arizona he was like pitching to jose ramirez all-star third baseman like it was just some scrubs and like even if he was saying it um early reports from how he's looked at the camps like he looks sharp and Mm -hmm. if you look across the american league right now if you look at your perennial cy young favorites um you're thinking garrett cole uh justin verlander fuck that guy um Charlie Moore and uh, Blake Snell. Blake Snell, yeah. Yeah, um, there. Jose. Uh, I think Jose Barrios is kind of a, a low key card. There's a lot of factors with those guys. Um, Garrett mm-hmm. Cole. I think Garrett Cole's. I know you're probably gonna hate this take because he is on your fantasy team. Um, Garrett Cole's still gonna get a ton of strikeouts. I still don't know how he's gonna pitch in Yankee Stadium. We won't know. Justin yeah. Verlander. You got to figure out at one point. It, Age is going to hit him. There's and mm-hmm. you can make that same argument with Charlie Morton, who was a top three Cy Young finalist last year, and with Blake Snell, um, he had an okay year last year. We got to see if he's going to bounce back. This is the opportunity for somebody, a wild card like Frankie Montas, who easily was in the running for the first half of the season last year, to really run away with it this year if he can continue. And uh, something I didn't even get to say yet. Um, he's got a point to prove. He wants to show everybody that yeah. he has it. Yeah, after the whole PED scandal. Yeah, 100%. Um, no, I love that take. 
I agree with it. Um, I think, or I don't agree with it, but I think there's definitely potential. And on top of that, his spring training um, stats were really good before the shutdown. So, I uh, yeah, I I, be- I believe in that take 100. percent I support. This isn't it. just the torpedo talking. This is my heart. No, I can tell. <laughs> when you texted me yesterday that he's been consistently pitching in hundred or th- triple digits, I was I I could tell that I had a feeling that this is that was going to be your uh, your I've had a few beers. All right, let's move on to the next one. So this is the tailgate tools, the tailgate, uh, the tailgate essential tool of the week. So this is going to be a player who we think is going to be very important in the coming week, um, as a member of the success, or uh, it's going to contribute to the success of the team. Um, someone to look out for. Um, how else would you explain it? Okay, so think about when you are tailgating. You got to have your essential. That if you forget it, the if let's say okay, I need um, I need tongs. I need to, I can't grill some burgers and hot dogs or vegan burgers, or whatever you, we're going to talk about, without some tongs. <laughs> so immediately, the first thing you do is you're going to hit up somebody who's going to be joining you and say, "I need you to bring this. I forgot it." It's because it's essential. You really can't have a quality barbecue without or quality tailgate without these essential things like some Mm -hmm. cooking utensils the right meats some beer the right people um so i what this segment is going to be is like who is our person that in order for the a's to be really successful over this next week until the following episode this person has to step up to the plate this is the person that is again essential to produce a good product on the field all right, so uh, so why don't you go first, actually? Awesome. Since I did. Very excited. Uh, I think the person who really needs to get started right out of the gate, be the essential player for the ace to kind of prove the point of the season, is going to be Liam Hendricks. Uh, last mm. year, Liam was he was robbed of the Rolades Relief Man of the Year last year in the American League that went to Aroldis Chapman. Um, but he was the best closer in baseball and the American league last year. I know a lot of people outside of ACE fans are going to be a little iffy of what he can do this season, just because we've seen closers come in and leave with the A's. When you think about what Blake trying was able to do in 2018 and what happened to him in 2019. And Jim Johnson too is another please one. Please do not break up Jim Johnson. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the reality of the situation. He needs to be brought yeah. up because we remember that. Liam Hendricks carried a lot of weight in his shoulders in that bullpen that Absolutely. the year and last year. There was he was a, carried a lot of weight. We would The A's wouldn't be a playoff wildcard team if he wasn't able to pitch two innings anytime Bo Mel needed him to go in there and pitch it. Um, and I, exactly. What's going to be the most important part, I would say, of this next week is to see what the bullpen can do. I would imagine this over the next week against uh, the Angels and the Rockies – the offense is probably not going to be at the pace it's going to be for the rest of the season. I can imagine there's going to be some some bumps in the road of how they're going to play. So it's important that our, our pitching is going to be there. Uh, I'd imagine the rotation isn't going to, from what I've seen from the exhibition games, um, the rotation is still going to be there. They're still going to think perform fine. But it really is on Liam Hendricks to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. He can still sustain, especially with him coming up i believe this is a contract year or the following year is gonna be a contract year um yeah 
I don't think it's this year. I think it's next yeah. year. Yeah. All right. So mine is also a pitcher. Uh, mine is Daniel Megden. Um, I think that it strictly because of the things I was saying earlier. This is a short season, and every fucking game matters. And he has got to be able to carry the weight in this stacked rotation and replacing, you know, our most promising young pitcher in in Lazardo. And just like, yeah, it it's going to be crucial if he gets two wins out of this. I'm going to be very happy. Um, regardless of how he gets those wins, just as long as he gets them, I'll be happy. But um, also to prove his worth, to keep him on the roster as like a bullpen guy or something. Um, and like, you know, try and make a major league go at this. Because um, we've seen a lot of pitchers who have come up for a little bit, um, shown some promise, and then, you know, they kind of fade away. Kendall Graveman. Um, uh, fucking... Off the top of my head, AJ like Griffin, bunch of names. Tommy Malone, Tommy Malone, yeah. So I think this is really crucial for him. So um, I'm going to look forward to seeing him, and I'm going to watch him very closely. Okay, I like that. All right, so this is this is the thank you. This is the week that we got coming up. So we have the Angels are in town. Um, they have a four game series with them that they open with um, Friday night. Um, Frankie Montas versus Andrew Heaney. Um, Saturday, Shamanaya versus uh, Dylan Bundy. Um, and then we got Sunday, Mike Fires versus Shohei Otani. Sounds like a fun one. And then Monday is Chris Bassett versus Griffin Canning. Never heard of him, so that should be interesting. Um, and then um, the Colorado Rockies come to town. So... Um, we got a American League division series, and then we got a um, we have a uh, NLS ALS a National League series. series. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see like how the Angels uh, this new hmm, personnel does. I really want to see the dynamic and how they play on the field. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I think that we. I don't know. I'm looking at these just straight pitching matchups. It's the same thing that we were talking about earlier, dude. Like, I we win hands down three out of four of these. And the last one, Fires versus Otani. Like, yeah, it's Shohei Otani, but, like, coming off the injury, going against arguably our most established pitcher. Like, I just – I, yeah, now, I don't know. Uh, the offense worries me, though. Again, the offense does still worry me. I think we have, if Rendon is not ready to play this series, that's going to be a huge benefit for the A's. That, um, Absolutely. Yeah, once you kind of get past Trout and Otani in that lineup, and Otani probably won't be able, won't be playing on Saturday just because I, I believe how they've been kept it at least the last couple of years yeah. is he usually takes the day off before his pitching to go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be a huge benefit, and I – I, I want to see Randon out there because I think it's going to be, he's going to be great for the angels. He world series champion. And he really was a hero for that team. Easy. He'll be a difference yeah. maker. But if he's not there in that first series, then cool. We'll take it. I'm not upset about now, it. Yeah. Griffin canning. I know you said you've never heard of him. Um, mm-hmm. He is actually supposed to be, he is one of the better pitching prospects for the angels. And there is some, uh, pretty high expectations. So I want to make sure we don't sound ignorant when we don't say, and in the same sense that you're saying, oh, Otani was injured. 
it's if he keeps it up. Was, but at the was, same time, that's more me just that's more me just sliding him. Ah, ah, got it. Okay, I was gonna say because at the same time, uh, when an Angels fan sees Sean Manaya, they're like, oh, that guy, he was injured, but we know how good he is. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's gonna be a fun series. I, I think it's been like the last uh, three years the A's have opened against the Angels. So it's pretty cool yeah. that this has been a consistent um, thing that's been going on. Yeah, thank God it's it, it, we got fucking ten years of opening the season against King Felix and getting our asses kicked. So oh yeah, thank nice. God, <laughs> thank God about that. But um, um, yeah, so what do you, what what's yeah. your well, how do you think the series is going to go? What's your expectation? I genuinely think it's going to be three games to one. Um, I like Montas over Heaney. Um, I like Manaya over Bundy. Um, I I just it, it uh, it's so hard to tell with the way our offense has played the last couple of games though. Over, but I'd like to think they get it together, like especially like with meaningful games and like maybe they're they're tightening it up a little bit. But um, yeah, I yeah I just again I mean I've been telling you this all off season. I I I'm not big on the Angels. I I just. Uh, I'm not. I'm not jumping on that train because it feels like every off season people do, and it's the same disappointment. All right, them. I'm gonna give you an over under, and we'll come back to this for the next episode. First four games, over under, fifteen runs. So that's averaging a I little g- bit before four game. Yeah, I'm gonna go under just because of the way the offense has been playing. Yeah, I, I. I hate that of agreeing with you on this because we want it to be more but i'd say under um all right and then next series colorado um that's gonna be interesting so i wonder if charlie blackman is gonna be back in time for that because he just got okayed from covid i don't know if he's like in game shape yeah um they're not as good of a team this year though um I mean, the offensive pieces are still there. Nolan, it's going to be cool to see Arenado and Chapman playing against yeah. one another. Um, yeah. Uh, former high school teammates. Former high school teammates. We know what Arenado, or we know what Blackman can do if he's out there. Trevor Story, one of the better offensive shortstops in the game. You know who I didn't know um, joined their team this offseason? I forgot. Um, I when I when I was picking up players for our fantasy team, I saw. Um, uh daniel um uh daniel murphy fuck yeah daniel murphy i didn't know that he joined their team he's their second baseman uh, that's kind of a nice little addition yeah i think he was there last season as well so he's been there for a minute um, was he it, it's just he didn't oh. perform on what you thought he would have at playing at Coors field um yeah he hit like 270 and had like 10 home runs you'd think he'd do yeah, a lot better he than had that. he had a bit of a someone who here. was the someone who led the league and who won the batting championship led the league in average like Four five years ago. Yeah. Um, honestly, I could again. I think this is going to be a pretty easy series win. The once you kind of get past John Gray and the Rockies rotation, which we'll we'll probably face him on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's pretty mm-hmm. much cake, and I would hope by that point yeah. the A's offense would be a little more acclimated and be ready to take on the Rockies that this might be the confidence boost that they'll need by that point. If they stagger a little bit against the angels. Yeah. 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 I feel that. All right, man. That's good. Solid first episode. Um, got to go know a little bit about us. Got to get a little sneak preview of our fun segments. Yeah. And, um, 
we got really deep into i mean into league talk which was fun yeah. but um uh yeah so i mean i don't know i think these the, we didn't really get d- too deep into the upcoming uh week but i don't think there's really too much to talk yeah. about yeah no uh, so it's not um, any, any not too not too fun of series coming up it's kind of pretty pretty flatlined like if if the dodgers are and or uh, the Astros were on the schedule. I think it'd be more interesting, but it's you know it's the first week of the season. Yeah, we kind of got. I think this is going to be the really point. Like we both, what we watched the exhibition games. We had our we're a little nervous because, of it, but it's like we don't really know what this team's going to be. And um, if this were any other team, where I think a majority of baseball teams were airing their inner squad games on TV, the A's were one of the teams that opted out of it because of competitive advantage. With that. I think it's still yeah. BS. There's probably a reason why they didn't do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little hidden on what this team can really do. We know what they can do. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming probably this next episode, we'll have a pretty good idea of the next week. We can see what's happened in this first week where we can get a little more in depth with it. And yeah, but it was fun. It's good. A little preview. Yeah. And also, all right, man, well, um, I was, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Before we cut off, I was going to say this week episode, was a little bit longer. I think we probably both went over our expectations of what it's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we also added in like bios of us, which took a lot of time. So like we won't be doing that in, in the future. In Indiana, California on a hot yeah. summer night. Uh, no, but yeah, for the listeners, you can expect something like a 30, 30 to, to 50 minute podcast somewhere around there. It won't be too crazy. Yeah. This um, isn't going to be a Lord of the Rings extended edition. Every episode. No. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe. Uh, we'll be here every Thursday. Um, and last, you the best. But not least, let's go, Oakland. Let's go, Oakland. Uh, the game's starting. we got to get inside the stadium, so let's start packing up the All right, gear, see you at the seats. And we'll head out. Uh, all right. That's it. Peace. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is executive produced and written by me, Chris Madrigal, and Julio Reynoso. It is produced by me. It is sound designed by me. The artwork and graphic design was done by Larry Madrigal, and the opening theme was composed, written, and produced by Larry Madrigal as well. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.